anytime I share about estranged relationships, this is the area of my life where I probably feel and experience the most shame. And I love the distinction that Brene Brown shares about the difference between shame and guilt, because guilt is saying that you did something wrong and feeling bad about what you did wrong. And shame is like, I am wrong, or there's something wrong with me. And you feel bad about yourself and who you are as a person. And I think when I think back to my estranged relationships and how we got there, I feel both guilt about the ways that I chose to show up and the ways that I just reacted as opposed to responded to the people around me at that time. And I feel I feel a lot of shame about what that means about me and the significance that I apply it to myself. And I think there's a part that like, I want to be this person who goes around and just shares all of the time about how amazing I am in relationships and how mature I approach you know, conflict and how I can handle things and how much I've healed because of counseling and all of these things. But I think the reality is, is that those of us who have gone through trauma, like we work really hard just to get to the same baseline as people who did not grow up with a lot of childhood trauma or relationship trauma. And then from that baseline, we're also just everyday people, right? Who like struggle with being mature and struggle with processing hurt and disappointment and frustration. And that's me. And so I think back to a lot of the relationships that I had growing up. And I think the hardest part is that there's a good majority of those that are estranged now. And I think there's a healthy aspect to it. Like I I knew I wanted something different for my life. And I also knew that following through with the adoption process and moving to a different state was ultimately what was going to get me out of the same cycle that a lot of people in my biological family were defaulting into. So I knew I was going to do something different, but I also knew that that was going to be like the last straw for some of those relationships. And honestly, long distance relationships in general are difficult, but I think what makes them difficult is when in relationships, you have one person that's trying a lot more than another. And so I'm going to be really vulnerable with you because I think the vulnerable part about talking about estranged relationships is that there's so much that's unresolved. And it's either unresolved because there's no way to resolve it, like that person has passed or, you know, like there's just, it's impossible. Um, Or, you know, that person is still in your life, but they're not in a healthy space or you really won't be in a healthy space at this point if you engage more than you are. And there's just an undercurrent of a lot of, trauma and conflict that's still ongoing. 
And so I think it's an important conversation for me to have. I think it's healthy for me to talk about it and just to be open about it because I never want to lie to you about who I am. I never share because I think there's ever a point where I feel like I've made it rather that I want you to know that you're not in this alone. And if you feel a lot of guilt about how you chose to show up in relationships and you feel like that's fed into some of the relationships where you feel like, or you are experiencing estrangement, then I want you to know that I'm right there with you. And if you look at your estranged relationships and you've made it mean something about who you are and your value, and so you feel a lot of shame about going through life and having estranged relationships present, I want you to know that I'm there too. And so what I'm hoping is to share some of my life with you and then give you, of course, some practicals. And as always, if you have questions or, you know, like you want to share more, shoot a comment over, send me an email and we can talk about it. The relationships in my life that I would label as estranged are the majority of family members. I have maybe one friend that I would say was estranged at one point, and we kind of just instead grew apart. Um, But for the most part, my estranged relationships will be family members just growing up. And I think if you have estranged relationships, it probably happened because there was a lack of respect with the boundaries that you've laid. And this is why I truly believe that when you're thinking about creating healthy boundaries, I don't teach like these are black and white boundaries that you should have in your life. I've lived those kinds of black and white boundaries and every person is different. Every relationship is different. And so you end up either overprotecting or underprotecting when you just come up with these blanket rules. Like, you know, I'm not going to kiss until the third date, for instance. Like, well, that might apply to some relationships, but that won't apply to all of them. So I teach principles instead. And that's something that I've lived. And I feel like in all kinds of relationships, when you have principles about how to go about creating healthy boundaries, it should work in both your healthy relationships where there's mutual respect, as well as in your estranged relationships where there might be a lack of of respect of those boundaries. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, I would encourage you go back, listen to the four principles of establishing healthy boundaries. But I think in estranged relationships, the reason why they become estranged is because there is a lack of respect of the boundaries that were placed. And I know that that's been the truth for me. Like when I think about the relationships where there's just a lot of hurt there and when I feel angry about it and I really take time to think about it, I'm like, I think I really feel hurt. Like I feel hurt that I wasn't heard. I feel hurt that if I was heard, I was disregarded or I wasn't taken seriously. And I think I feel angry that I wasn't respected in different points of my life, you know, and I felt all of those things. And 
my response to that person, to those relationships at times at that point in my life were very reactionary. Whereas that's where the guilt comes from. I feel guilty about the ways that I've responded. And I've since been able to go back and apologize, but because of where they were at and their life, like, I don't know if they truly heard that, you know? And so that's something that I've held myself to that, like, if we ever get to a point in our relationship where we can really engage in a healthy way, where there's a respect of both of our boundaries, then I would love to apologize until they hear me. And so going back to the boundaries, I've shared before that I think that the healthiest place to to put any of your boundaries is where there's still vulnerability and accountability in the relationship. And this isn't in the hands of the other person. It's not about them telling you that you need to be vulnerable or that you need to be held accountable. It's you actually placing the boundary where there can be both vulnerability on your side and still allow for the other person to share vulnerably with you and where you can hold the other person accountable, you know, for, for what still helps you feel safe and protected and loved. Like you have a say and who you allow into your life. And that's the power of placing boundaries. And so in my estranged relationships, that hasn't always been the case. And so obviously when there's a lack of accountability and there's a lack of, when there's a lack of accountability, it's really hard to still feel safe enough to allow vulnerability from either side, right? Like it was just really hard for me when I would enter these relationships or conversations and we would kind of hit the same point where we would, they would talk about what happened or different things about what happened. And there was no accountability on their part that they played a role in what happened, which made it really hard for me to feel like, well, if they're not taking accountability, then can I really be vulnerable about how it made me feel. And so at some points I would share. And I think over time it became like I was no longer willing to share how that made me feel, their lack of accountability. And so I I started getting less and less vulnerable with them. And I also had a really hard time with them being vulnerable with me about them not wanting to take accountability. And so my boundaries in that relationship got more and more strict. And that ultimately led to the estrangement, which is what I would define as unresolved conflict and going no contact or very little contact with those relationships. And so it's just sad, you know, because you think about those relationships. And for me, with them being family members, like, I think what's sometimes harder to process being adopted is that I will have like, family members in my adoptive family, that are going really well. And there's a part of me that even though those relationships go really well, I start to grieve the fact that my relationships and my biological family aren't going that well. 
And it happens in currents. Like sometimes genuinely, I feel very apathetic towards it. Like I don't care. Um, And I think that's genuine. Like it takes little thought, especially the estranged relationships that have gone on for longer periods of time. And then, you know, there'll be a holiday or there'll be something. I'll watch a movie and I'll see this idealistic representation of this type of relationship and it'll just put me in a grief cycle where I start grieving the relationship and what it could be. Not that in some of those relationships I had even experienced that or even saw the possibility of it looking that idealistic, but just what it possibly was for other people and it wasn't for me. So I think one of the first places that you have to go when you're navigating a strange relationships is to wallow for a little bit. Like you just have to feel it and it really stinks. Like I think that is probably the hardest part because it kind of feels hopeless. Like especially if it's a parent or a sibling and it's estranged, like you see so many parent-child relationships that look like they're going so well. And I think that's the hard part. And I think that it will knock you into a grief cycle and you just have to be willing to go through that cycle of this is what it was. And this is what you actually wanted it to be. And then this is what it is now. And it's a very uncomfortable place to be. It's not fun. It's very tiring because it's a lot to carry emotionally and just process through emotionally. But I think it's a really important part to go through when you're navigating estranged relationships because it is unresolved. And so if you don't allow yourself to process what you wanted and what it is and what it was, then it's really hard to stay present. And I find that when you move too far in the future in any part of your life, but especially in relationships that applies, there's a lot of anxiety there because you're playing with the unknown and it's really hard to create something realistic when you're feeling a lot of anxiety. And when you get stuck in the past of what it was before it turned south or process through the anxiety of the unknown and the future of what you don't know could be possible and also grieve and live through the regret and the shame and the guilt that you feel of what happened so that you can get to a very present place with yourself because that's really what you have to work with, the present of what it is right now And what do you want to say right now? What do you want to do right now? What do you want to be right now? Who do you want to show up as right now and start living in the actual moment? Because in the present is where you can take your next step forward and you you start getting your control back. You lose control when you play in the future because none of us can do anything about future us. And you lose control when you're stuck in the past and you're consumed with a bunch of shame and guilt because you can't rewrite what already happened. And so staying in the present and getting yourself to the present moment is really what helps you rethink how you want to act. And it gives you back some autonomy 
and control about what is actually happening. And if that's what you want to continue, do you want to have a conversation or do you need to actually reinforce some more strict boundaries with this relationship? You know, what needs to happen? Do you need to get counseling? Do you need to get therapy? Do you need to look into options to get onto medication to help you process? Like what needs to happen for you so that you can engage in this present moment? And that's going to be really important for these next several practicals. I think for me, it helped things in these relationships and obviously they're unresolved, right? But when I'm in the present moment, it really helps me dial it back in these relationships. And I just started thinking like, what do I actually want from them? You know? Because I think what would happen is I would get into conversations or holidays would pass. And so my emotions would ebb and flow in these relationships. And when I was going through, you know, a low point where I was just like, I feel really lonely. Like they really, it just, I just want to connect with this person and I don't even care that it's unhealthy. Like I would just throw my boundaries out the window and I would end up in an unhealthy place in that relationship. And so I, I would encourage you, if you've laid boundaries, what going to the present moment will do is help you reestablish and remind yourself of why they were there. Like you didn't just create boundaries just for kicks and giggles. They came because of something. And so in that moment, in the present moment, reminding yourself of why you created them in the first place so that when you are going through those lows or those highs, you are able to stay balanced and not just throw them out or make them more strict based on emotion. It was thought out and it was considered and it's intentional. One of the things that shifted for me is I realized that in my estranged relationships, I really wanted more accountability. And that's something that you probably won't ever get, at least not in this moment, or it's something that you've asked for and you haven't gotten, which has probably played into why this relationship is estranged. And this is something that I'm kind of just holding on to for a future conversation. And it's something that started to shift even in the ways that I'm currently having conversations and resolving conflict. I just had this really big conflict that I had to resolve with someone. They're not in a strange relationship, but I just practiced this with them. And after going through that with them, I was like, oh, like this would be really helpful in these relationships that are estranged. But in my conflict with this other person, what happens in conflict is obviously you talk about what happened, how it made you feel. And then there's typically the accountability portion, right? Where you're apologizing. And in the past, I would look at apologies. Like, it's just like, I apologize. This is what I did, you know, and then you try to live different. Like to me, that was an apology, or at least that's what we're taught, you know? And there's this book that goes through the five different types of apologies. And it's the same author actually that wrote the book about the five different love languages. And I actually think that going through the five different types of apologies is so much more significant because in conflict, 
you have to know how to apologize well in order to resolve with the other person. And when you're able to come to a point where you're able to resolve, then you're able to build a deeper bond and you're able to go on to a deeper relationship. And I think ultimately, like that's the bridge from estrangement is a bonded relationship. But in the middle there, there has to be an accountability and vulnerability piece. They have to cross the boundary to get there. And so the five different apology languages that he talks about in this book is there's one of just expressing regret. And that's literally hearing the words, I'm sorry, and seeing like you being able to see the other person feel bad, like genuine sadness about what they did. There's another one where they accept responsibility and they say that they were wrong and they're able to list the ways that they were wrong. The third is making restitution, like where they're asking, how can I make it right? And they bring you along to like be a part of the game plan for how they're going to respond differently going forward. There's also plan change, which is part of making restitution they don't necessarily ask you and invite you in like how how can i make it right but they might say here are the steps that i'm going to take going forward so that i can make sure i'm not going to do this again and then there's asking or requesting forgiveness can you find it in your heart to forgive me? Them asking you that question, you getting to decide if you want to forgive that person. And this is so helpful. Just tuck this in the back of your mind, because what I realized in conflict is that maybe in these are strange relationships, I want to open up the possibility that maybe they have apologized, but I haven't been able to hear it because For me, it's a really big deal that when people apologize, they take responsibility. Like, that's my top. Like, I don't care that you feel bad. I don't really care that you're like the next steps you're going to take to do differently. And I know that sounds harsh or heartless, and it could be. But I think my intention behind saying that is like, of course, you feel bad, right? Like, you're not everybody who apologizes came to that point because they felt bad. So like that's assumed to me. So hearing you say that is not going to be surprising or moving. And then, you know, like having a plan to change, like I genuinely believe that that will happen. Like when people say that they're going to change and here are the steps that they're going to take, but we're also human. So I don't want people to feel locked in to like, they need to be this different person or they have they have to succeed. They can't fail. There's no room for failure with me. So it's really important, though, for me, then, that when people apologize, that they understand what they did that was hurtful to me and that they're able to speak to that. And so this is so important because in our estranged relationships, like we might be trying to apologize to one another, and maybe we're not, right? But at least you know what to ask for. So just tuck this in the back of your mind that like maybe when the person says, I'm sorry, they keep saying, I'm sorry. That's their way of apologizing. They feel sad. But for you, it's really important that you need a planned change 
or an action plan for how they're going to take steps to change. That might be your important thing. And so being able to ask them for that, and if they can't come up for that, then saying like, hey, I hear that you feel bad, and I know that this really hurt, and that you were able to see that this really hurt me. What I need from you is X, Y, and Z. And that's what it looks like in conversation for me now going forward too. Like in this relationship, this one relationship I was referring to where we were resolving a big conflict, the person felt bad. And, you know, they were like, they asked for, they asked me for forgiveness, but it was really hard for me to perceive their apology as genuine. And it clicked after I, you know, learned about these five different apologies that like, oh, they are apologizing. Like I need to make that significant, but I need to hear them take responsibility. And so I asked them for that. I came back to the person and I was like, I can forgive you. What's really hard for me right now is I just don't, I want to make sure that you understand what was hurtful to me and that you're apologizing for those specific things that you're actually taking responsibility and you're holding yourself accountable for what you did. And they reworded their apology and it just sat differently with me. And so for some of you, that might be the missing piece. Like maybe you are in contact with the relationships or semi-contact with the relationships that you're estranged from, but you don't feel resolved even though there's been apologies on both sides, maybe because the way that they have apologized has not been in a way that you've needed to hear in order for you to feel resolved. And so I honestly, I hope it's that easy for you. I hope that's the last piece. And that means you don't have any more strange relationships. But for those of us who still will have estranged relationships, and maybe we're not in a place where we can go contact. I think these next practicals are for you, for us, so that we can live at peace with estranged relationships in our lives. Like obviously there's there's probably always going to be a lack of true 100% peace, but I don't think it needs to mean that we need to wake up every day and feel all of the shame and guilt and bring that into every relationship going forward because we have these relationships that are estranged. And one of the ways that I have committed to myself is that I'm going to live with integrity. And I know it sounds cliche. I promise you it's not. I think in estranged relationships, it's really hard to just own that it is estranged or that it is no contact if that's the reality. Because I think especially when the estranged relationships is with family members, this is just my experience, but people talk about family all of the time in everyday casual conversation. And, you know, if you want to share something on social media, it tends to be really received well if you're willing to present more of a family front. And there's so many holidays that are centered around family. And so I noticed that for me, like, as a way to not get into like a unnecessarily heavy conversation with 
people in general, I would just say like things are good or they would ask me about like, oh, how's this person doing? And that happened to be a person that I'm in an estranged relationship with. And I would just say it's good, you know, and we would move on. And I just stopped myself from saying things like that. That was just so casual and dismissive. And I know it seems small, but I think those are the little white lies that just only add to our discomfort and our lack of peace. And so as uncomfortable as it is, or as seemingly awkward as it feels like it's going to make that interaction, I just stopped sharing good. And instead, what it looked like for me to live with integrity in that moment is just to say like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, I'm sure they would love it if you sent them a text or if you asked them about it, if they're asking me information about what's going on in their life. And it's honestly taken some of a lot of responsibility actually off my plate too, where I realized that like a lot of times, like people talk to you about other people and I think we just need to get better at talking to people, to people, like to the people that we want to know about. And so honestly, it's helped me kind of change the way I talk about people in general. But it's one of those small shifts that helps me show up with integrity. Same thing on like holidays with the people that I'm not necessarily no contact with, but just very light contact, still estranged. In my family, like if holidays come up where it's centered around this type of relationship, I don't send texts like, you're the best parent I ever had, you know, like, or whatever. Like, I I don't try to be intentionally discouraging, but I'm also not going to sacrifice my integrity for the sake of like saving face in this moment or for this holiday. I want true peace. I don't want to, I don't want to keep peace, you know? And so I decided for me, like, I would just share like, you know, happy birthday or, you know, happy, whatever the holiday was. I don't lie to them and say that that was the best or it is the best relationship, but I, you know, can share when I, when I have been in a healthy space in those relationships, things like, oh, I've like considered that I'm around the same age that you were And I really respect that you were able to do X, Y, and Z, you know, and I'll like encourage, I'll choose to encourage them or something different than lying about how I feel when I think back to some of the most traumatic moments in my life involving that person, you know? And so for me, it's been a small shift, but it's changed everything about even the way that I feel about myself, because what happens in our estranged relationships is We want it to not feel so uncomfortable, I think. And in an attempt to get it to not feel uncomfortable, we start lying to ourselves. And then you have to process through that. Like, it's really hard to distinguish your responsibility from that other person's responsibility when you're not willing to tell yourself even the truth and live with integrity. And I'm a person who it's really hard for me in general to not take responsibility for things that I don't need to be responsible for. And so I noticed that like saying things like when people would ask me in conversation, how is such such and such doing? And I would say, good, like it would really mess with me, you know? And so I've learned that it's really important that 
you separate the responsibility that is on you to take. And my responsibility isn't necessarily that I have any responsibility of what happened to me, like the trauma piece, but rather the ways that I've chosen to react and engage with this person post-trauma. Like I don't want to use my trauma as a justification for why I can react. I just don't want to be that person. I don't want to show up that way. And so what helps me the most is choosing to live with integrity. I lightly mentioned keeping peace versus making peace. And this is a distinction that has really shifted things for me because I think when we are talking about keeping peace, it's not true peace. Like we say it's peaceful, but it's like passive aggressive, you know, which I just have no respect for, but it's like keeping a smile about things that really make you cry when you're at home by yourself. And I think that is what keeping peace looks like, like trying to maintain a semblance of things are okay and they're fine. And we're not going to talk about the elephant in the room when in reality, like there's an elephant in the room, you know? Making peace looks like if we don't want the elephant in the room, then we have to all acknowledge that there's an elephant in the room and kick it out. That distinction has helped me so much because I realized that like in so many areas of my life, I was just trying to keep peace. And so I would want to save face socially. And so when people would ask me about people, I would say good. And when holidays would come up, I would say Um, thanks so much for being this person and happy this day. It was just disingenuous, you know, and that's all keeping peace, making peace. Even if the person isn't ready to make peace though, looks like me saying, no, there's still an elephant in the room. You know, like I'm allowed to say that there's an elephant in the room and it doesn't mean that I need to shove it in that person's face or say that you need to also acknowledge that there's an elephant in the room. But it means that like, I'm not going to pretend with you that there's not one. And I'm not, if people ask me about the elephant, going to say there is none. And I think that all comes with just choosing to show up in a genuine, in a genuine way with integrity. The last practical I'll share is that I think it changes everything when you're able to be really clear about what you want from that relationship. Like, what's your end game? Because I think what happens in estranged relationships especially is we kind of plan for the next moment. And that's a trauma response, like just trying to survive is how am I going to get my basic needs met right now in this moment? And so you kind of have to think very small and very quick because you have to stay short-sighted. You're not promised a thriving future. But if you entertain this idea that like you don't have to survive, like you actually get a say in what you want your end game to be, then I think being clear about exactly what you want from that relationship helps you stay patient until you get to that point. Like it helps you shift your timeline so that you're not so focused on the next interaction with that person. And instead you're thinking like five years from now, 10 years from now. I always share that. I think what has helped me become more intentional in life 
is that instead of living each day as like, I'm trying to go from my birth to like just furthering my life and I'm trying to get to the next year and trying to get to the next milestone, I I started shifting and thinking backwards from the end of my life. Like, who do I want people to say that I was? Who do I want to say that I was? And because my faith is important to me, like, who do I want God to say that I was? And what do I want him to think about how I live my life? And so I'm constantly thinking about the end of my life. And I find that when you think about the end and work your way backwards, you get a lot more patient with the present moment and the next step. And I think in these relationships, I I started thinking backwards as opposed to how to move it forward. You start thinking about the end game. And so it's less about like this next time I talk to this person and it's more about no, but like at the end of our life, at the end of their life or at the end of my life, I want us to be at this point. And so I now see every interaction as just us building to get to that point. So I don't set my bar on like, let's just not yell at each other. Or I hope this next time, like, we just don't call each other out of our names or, you know, like those are very small, short-sighted goals, which I think are boundary related. Like they're healthy to have, obviously, like it's not going to be helpful if other person's yelling or you're yelling or you're being reactionary. So I'm not saying that that's not important, but I am saying that that shouldn't be your end goal. Like ultimately, what do you want on a heart level, on a vulnerable level from that relationship? I mentioned in the beginning that the relationships that I'm referring to that are estranged now are all family relationships. But I briefly shared that there's one friendship that I would say at one point was estranged. And what getting clear about what I was looking for in that relationship did for me was it helped me actually redefine the relationship. And this will probably be more common that it needs to happen in your estranged relationships in an intentional way because it's something we do in our healthy relationships that aren't estranged. We just don't realize that that's what we're doing we're always redefining the relationship, right? Like somebody starts going to school in the evenings. And so that limits the amount of time that we're able to naturally get together and hang out. And so are we still going to be friends or are we not? Of course we are. You redefine and you just keep adjusting. Oh, this person, you know, they started a new job or they're moving to a different state. Are we still going to be friends? Of course we are. What does that look like now? So we redefine relationships all the time. But in a strange relationships, we do, we tend to just press a pause button and we stop redefining the relationship. And I think that's kind of where, and the reason behind why we get stuck there because we really do still have to be redefining the relationship. And so with that friendship, the reason why I wouldn't label it as estranged is because there was really nothing to resolve outside of the fact that we just weren't great friends anymore. We had grown into different people and we both wanted different things for our lives. And so That's why the conflicts started coming up more and more often. And that's why I would feel disrespected and vice versa. And because we no longer fit into 
the other's end game. And that's okay. Some relationships are just like that. But I think that's what is possible when you're willing to be very clear about what you're going to that relationship for. What do you want? What's your end game? And then working your way backwards. Let me know what part of this is challenging you, what part of it is encouraging you and giving you hope. And we'll plan to talk soon.